stars from coast to coast. I give you a toast as you listen to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute at Mount Marty University in Yankton, South Dakota. And I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, Rutten. I'm Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg. And I'm Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary in Sioux Falls. And together we are Rutten Radio. (laughs) That was perfect. (laughs) That's like the perfect intro. Like 12 years later, we finally had the perfect intro. How we doing, fellas? Life is grand. Great. Yeah, I sometimes... Grand uh, and great. uh, I was listening to our last show. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, it was great. You listen to them? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever... Do Mm -mm. you listen to your homilies, Paul? Uh, sometimes. Okay. Well, I, I, sometimes I have to listen to them if I'm because I record all of them. Yeah. So I sometimes will listen and say, "Is this the one that I want to put on?" Oh yeah, I used to do that. No, I just record the last one because I, you know, you gotta tee up and then you gotta swing and then you but gotta have a mulligan. Sometimes I find the first swings the nope, best. Not usually, for me. Usually by nine o'clock. That's oh yeah, really, that's the best yeah. time to come. There's to a mass. lot of factors that play into it. So just the curious. energy of the audience at seven, maybe. Do you have a seven o'clock? No. Oh. Seven a.m. for the. Mature, the elders of the community, or the young pups that like to wake yeah, up. Yeah, some people just like to get going. So, right. yeah, so I was listening to the show, and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to have a little mercy for you, Joe. You know, all the excitement, all the good morning. Like, oh, maybe there is a place for that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, 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 folks, maybe. Like, careful. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, sometimes you just need to get rolling. And then, right. and then uh, you know, I was saying the other day, I was like, we need to have a cleaner mot. Like, we need to help people understand what is it that they're getting when they listen to us. Someone, does, someone doesn't, doesn't know. Like, what's our song? You know, we used to have that Put song when, before when yeah. we were at uh, the other station. And uh, and then I thought, yeah, we oh, needed. Lord, is, is our, like thing joe's intro mm-hmm. oh no <laughs> no don't do this to me uh, so terrible. i'm just considering i'm i'm, just I'm considering not, not, that it's right. possible that You're not fully so, consenting yeah. to such a move so that's how after i'm doing all of these years <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's taken me a while to accept you for who you are <laughs> see what you got going on here folks i mean we just love each other so much it took us five years to actually uh lean into enjoying my intro for you well yeah it is well what we're it working is. on we 43 years of enjoying <laughs> each other <laughs> 43 years God Paul, how about us. you good it's uh we're shifting into summer mode so school is done a few less meetings uh, yeah. So Praise Jesus. Yeah. Got through it. Well, June is about over. Well, it's not about over June. Summer. <laughs> I'm already thinking of the end of summer. Don't do <laughs> that. I do this. I like preemptively strike. I'm like, Oh, it's June. Like when June's over, then it's July and that's July 4th. And when July 4th's over, like the summer's over, like, man, the summer's almost over already. <laughs> and it hasn't even started. started. I'm terrible. Uh, but it does seem like uh, make make use of June, I, I think, is the best advice for my summer planning. Because once you get done with June, it just seems like it so just you gotta, goes quickly. Uh, you got to take every moment for uh, the gift that it is. I totally understand that. But the way out of that, like some of the most amazing things happen at times that are not the end of summer. Last night's sunset, amazing. Amazing, like this huge red orb 
at the end of the horizon. It was amazing. I was driving home and I just like had to drive to my car. I bought a brand new bike and I've ridden it twice. Twice. <laughs> I got on my bike without even thinking about it and I went to chase the sunset. Like you can like you got it and then how about the other day the fog? Was that amazing or what? You mean oh, this morning? You didn't get awake. Oh. Yeah, this is record. This oh, is sorry. recorded yeah, in different days. So right. I was trying to pretend <laughs> so that everybody listening doesn't realize if you that are listening, oh, yeah. we are pre-recording. So we are so, recording right so now on May nineteenth. <laughs> May eighteenth was the sunset. May nineteenth, the fog this morning was amazing. And then I went. I, I wanted to get like a picture of it, so I went across the street and I started taking a photograph. And then there was this dandelion that had dew dripping off of the stem. Wait till you see the Facebook page. I'm going to do a post and have everybody vote on which dandelion picture they like best. <laughs> awesome. So live in the moment. That only happens at the beginning of summer, not at the end. So Philosophical right. Counseling 101 from Father John Rutten as we start Rutten Radio here. Uh, let's lean into this, fellas. You can interact with us on Rutten Radio Facebook page or the Real Presence uh, affiliate network stations. You can listen to us, get us on your podcast. And with that, we don't really need any other intros, no. do we? No. Let's jump right up into this thing for the for the first half hour. You get our movie of the month where we take a look at one movie, do a little kind of thought analysis and reflection, give it a little grade, come up. Do we ever get our formula figured out, uh, formula page figured out, Father oh, Paul, yeah. for our ratings? So we'll get our movie rated, and the movie of the month for June is The Man Without a Face. There you go. <laughs> okay. okay. Father Paul, sure. would you like to give us the sure. context? So Justin McLeod is a former teacher who lives as a recluse on the edge of town. His face is disfigured from an automobile accident and fire 10 years before in which a boy was incinerated and for which he was convicted of involuntary manslaughter. He's also suspected of being a pedophile. He's befriended by Chuck, igniting the town's suspicion and hostility. McLeod instills in this protege a love of justice and freedom from prejudice, which sustains Chuck beyond the end of the film. Outstanding. So Chuck's the boy. Yep. Chuck How old is the do boy. you think Chuck is? Well, he's getting ready for high school. Well, he looks 12? a little younger than that, so about 12. Yeah. But he's trying to get into a military school. Right. And he is so. growing up with a bit of a broken family. His uh, mom is maybe going on her third marriage, fifth, fifth marriage, fifth marriage. Or fourth. Uh, he has a couple of siblings from uh, different fathers, and uh, his older sister is the prototypical, like, uh, snotty high school brat, older sister that doesn't really care about him. And his little sister is the follower, Snoopy, nosy, always wants to hang out and be around, <laughs> involved. Uh, I don't know about either of those fathers, but do you have a sister maybe in one of nope. those two categories? We don't want to go, go there. Let's not go there, right? We have uh, four amazing sisters. Amazing. They are truly amazing, amazing They are by truly the way. incredible. Uh, so with that, then uh, he ends up um, in this situation where he needs a tutor, and Justin McLeod becomes the tutor. Father Paul, tell me what your thoughts are about the movie. What do sure. you think? Um, it's the first time I've ever seen the movie, so I hadn't never watched it. You know, most of our movies I think we've seen before. Um, I kind of like the rawness, the frankness with which they didn't sugarcoat things. So it was really gritty, you know, like the dysfunction, yes. uh, the real struggles, 
Each person has their own issues, uh, all of that, trying to navigate it. Um, you know, you could also tell that they were, you know, this sort of a wealthier family because they were headed to the to the lake for the summer. So they were moving to the lake for the summer. And so, you know, they've got all of that to sort of live up to and in the midst of it. Um, but I, I guess for me, just the, the, the rawness of it was um, both challenging and, you know, kind of uh, refreshing. Hmm. So, Father John. Yeah, I thought I had seen the movie before, but never seen it. So I was uh, well. kind of surprised. In, in a similar way, I thought it was refreshing to watch a movie that recognizes the complexity of life. You know, the the dynamics of siblings, of, of growing up, of parents, of not having parents, of the wounds that happen through certain situations. And yet it wasn't done in a way in which you couldn't watch the movie as a family. Or it didn't, you know, it just was, right. it just had a, uh, it doesn't avoid the difficulties of reality, but it tells it in a way that it's not shoving it in your face in a sort of, um, so, you know, even the way that they went, uh, went about with the child abuse situation, you know, it was like, sort of, it was, it was interesting to see situations where they were like, um, they're alluding to, alluding to things. And then you get, if you were a younger, uh, if you were an eight year old, you wouldn't pick up on some of the illusions possibly. Possibly. Yeah. And so it's just refreshing to be, to be able to watch a movie. I think, I don't know if I'm totally honest, I, I'm just kind of surprised by this based on, based on like life. Uh, I, I have a real sensitivity to stuff like this. And when movies are filled with, you know, I, I maybe, maybe it's a result, uh, different story I can tell sometime, but I watched a movie in the seminary one time and like everybody was scandalized that I chose the movie. Right. It was super embarrassing. There was a priest that, you know, a priest from EWTN that taught at the seminary and he was in the room watching it with us. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I had never seen it. It was recommended to me. And, and by the time the movie was over, everyone had left except two people. One of them was my diocesan classmate and the other was this priest and the priest had so much mercy for me. It was just amazing. Uh, but I don't know. I just have a sensitivity to when I'm watching movies, a, a lot, the movies you guys watch and like are fine with. I'm like the mom who's like, why would you recommend this movie to kids? Why would you, that's sure. nobody should ever. So when, it, when, when I watch this movie, it's like, Oh, Right. People can, everybody can watch so this movie. So even the high school sister who he catches uh, yep. in bed with, yeah. the, right? It, it's done in a way where you realize, oh, this movie was made 27 years ago. Yeah. It was made in the early 90s. Like they still had a sensitivity toward those things. If they made that movie again today, I don't know that the bedroom <laughs> scene would have been the mm-hmm. same as it was there. But they do it in a way that like old westerns are made, where it's like it's you know what's going on, but they don't do it in a graphic yeah. uh, manner. So and there wasn't a lot of swearing. Maybe that was another thing too. There wasn't a lot of cussing. And so anyway, that's my take. Right, right. Well, it's one of my favorite movies. I'm well, a sucker. Okay, can I tee it off for you right here? Oh. This is the big surprise that I wanted to have is the minute the movie comes on and it's going and going and going, my first response to the whole movie is, what is it with Joe and movies (laughs) about teachers? (laughs) I would have never chosen this movie ever, ever. And I'm like, 
Joe chose this movie. Good like, what hunting. is it? So <laughs> there you go. There's your tea. Dead Poet Society. Uh, I'm so, a teacher. So then we, <laughs> like, what do you mean? It's I'm, like asking a cowboy cowboy why they uh, like uh, westerns. <laughs> Father Paul. Yeah. Nope. Go ahead. You're yeah. <laughs> so it, it you know yeah it's it's who I am right. So when I watch these movies, I enter into it immediately. It is my story. You know, this is me. This is what I do. This is the way I look at all of my relationships inside the classroom and outside the classroom. Now, the nature of the context surrounding the whole thing is always different. But you look at the the teacher-student relationship in any community, and it is always one of respect and of an elder helping a younger become who it is that their heart desires to be and who we would propose God created them to be. And that's a noble profession. That's a noble thing to have the honor to be able to do. But it's not always easy. It's not always, you know, there's a romantic vision of what education looks like. Uh, But for me, the education outside the classroom is where my favorite education is done. The classroom stuff's great, but the what he does there in helping the boy become a person that lives in a certain way has very little to do with information, right? It's not like he taught them memorization and no, he taught them to be able to trust, to be able to discern truth and reality and goodness, not simply to be told two plus two is four. Okay. Then go do a math assignment. And now I passed. No, he taught him real human relationship um, so anyway, that's, that's mm. all these teacher movies, you know, even what's the one with, uh, Kim Basinger from back in the day. Oh, uh, um, gangster's paradise is, uh, the song <laughs> for it, right? Uh, you know, those, yeah. the, all of these movies are, are like, this is who I am. So when I watch these, it's just like, I find all the meaning and purpose in the world. And I think everybody should like them. And then I play them on a bus with. 50 college students as we head off on a leadership retreat to the Grand Canyon, they're all like, this movie sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened to you, John, happens to me. And I'm like, you mean everybody doesn't love these things? So uh, I sympathize with you. But, yep, so this is one of my, not all-time favorites. It's not that great, but it's a meaningful movie to me. So, yeah. Deeper thoughts, deeper insights, things that we can extract from the context of, of the movie, the themes that we want to revolve around. Um, fatherhood is mm-hmm. a pretty important topic. Father Paul? Yeah, and I think, you know, our culture today doesn't want to have this conversation, uh, but a boy's need for a father uh, of some sort, uh, a real father figure uh, in their life is very clearly evident you know, so Char- Charlie's trying to figure out who his dad was, and so he even makes up stories about him uh, that he was this great, you know, pilot and all of these things. <laughs> right. Um, but at the same time, that one of the unique things that we see as well is uh, any man can play the father figure, and so it is this important thing I think for our culture to realize that it doesn't have to be your biological father uh, that's essential for a boy. Um, and even a girl to a, to a different degree, but in this movie for the boy. Uh, so it could be a coach, it could be a teacher, uh, it could be your uncle, uh, but it has to be a man 
uh, who understands what it means to be a man. Yep. Uh, and I think that's sort of played then uh, in opposition to Professor Carl, but call me Carl, you know, uh, the Yale professor who doesn't want any of the trappings of the, the elitism. Well, he's as elite as they come at the same time. <laughs> right. um, and selfish. <laughs> right. And so this this real need, though, of what is it that a father then, how does the father, a father can't make a boy a man, but a father can sort of guide the boy towards manhood. Uh, and so we see that, this constant, like, just uh, pushing against each other. You know, Charles bucks everything. Uh-huh. Um, he wants help, but, he, you know, he's not broken enough to let um, Justin do what needs to be done. Um, so, and I do think they, I mean, they do studies today that they say this is part of the problem with our culture is fathers are absent right. across the board. And and if we could somehow regain the understanding of what a father's role is uh, and how then to bring fathers back into the picture, um, we would solve a lot of problems. Right. There's a National Fatherhood Institute out in D.C. that does work on this. There's a lot of psychology work uh Bradford Wilcox out at the University of Virginia. Um, and it's pretty easily noted that incarceration rates for boys that grow up in homes without a father is significantly higher for uh, th- those boys. And um, uh, teen pregnancy or unwed pregnancy is the detrimental factor for the girls that grow up in households without fathers. And this is not unknown, right? This is very present, but we don't really seem to address the issue in society. It doesn't seem like it's a right yeah. topic of political conversation. Where's dad? It's just, you know, nobody even yeah. actually addresses it, I don't think. And sometimes maybe yeah. in the church circles, but. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting question as to why part of me wonders, uh, is it that by saying that, do we often feel like we're negating someone or like we're we're reduced by by recognizing the absence of this. Are we saying somehow someone else isn't this? It's like when right. someone in the church is doing something great to point to it makes other people feel less. Well, either have an option, either like deal with that or you stop pointing to the person that has the life, you know? Right. And I think yep. we stop pointing to the father because we feel like by doing that, we're saying there's something negative about something else, whether it's the mother or. Right. Yep. So all the single mothers trying their best. Right. Yeah. You don't want to point this, that right. out. And, and it's not, it's also, I think important then to also realize why we can all point to God, the father and why it's important that ultimately God is father because no matter what situation we're in, we have a father who really does want to draw us into an adulthood uh, as well. And so we live in a world today even that doesn't want to speak of God as father. So God is just, you know, like we don't want to exclude. What does it mean that God is father? What does it mean to be father other than of the male sex? Right. Well, I think, again, a father generates. Okay. And generates. What does that mean? So a father creates. So again... A boy becomes a man because the father generates in that boy or draws out of the boy um, that what which is within him, you know. Um, so would it be correct to say, like in a way, the mother-father role, the mother is the one who nurtures, gives someone stability, a place of home, a place belonging. of comfort, belonging, and the father is the one who says, hey, there's the door, go get a life. 
<laughs> or God that says, well, I grow up, you, kid. Or I will like, tell you this, when you, at, at the university level, it's not the dad that's, the dad's at the car waiting for the mom yep. to, to drop the kid off right. at the beginning of every year. Like, it's not the dad, like, that isn't able to let the kid go nine times out of ten. It's not on Facebook. You don't see the dad that's sentimental and being like, man, I just don't want to let my kid go. You do see the mom. So there mm-hmm. is something distinct and unique yeah. about the sexes and about the complementarity of mother and father and those roles that we play. And even in this absence or this this idea of, of God the Father, it's not that we don't have a mother either. Right. Because this is Holy Mother Church. Church. Right. So we do have the nurture. Mm-hmm. We do have the 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 one that that gathers us together. Um, and in some ways, I think our mom and dad were like a perfect example of this. Uh, mom brought everybody in and made sure that everybody felt at home and welcome. And dad provided. Dad dad a lot. Dad made sure the door could open, <laughs> literally. Um, and and dad just kind of was like the overseer or something of this nature. I remember my wife one time. My wife one time uh, got kind of mad at me, really mad. <laughs> uh, she because I failed to secure the lock on the door. Oh. And she said, Joe, it is your responsibility to make sure this house is safe. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Mm. I, you know, and I'm like, she didn't need to be told to tell. Like, it, she, it's your, you are responsible for this. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you're right, I am. And now at the same time, there's this juxtaposition where in some ways there can be certain uh, cultural traits, maybe that we do attach to the sexes, but don't necessarily have to be that mm-hmm. way, right? Like the checkbook. My personality is a balloon without a string. You do not want me in charge of your checkbook because there will never be money in it right. <laughs> because of who I am, my personality. But my wife for a long time thought that because I was the man, I was to be responsible for the checkbook. Then we go to Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey and his financial university says, which one of you is the one that's detailed, organized, thrifty, and accountable? That's the one you want handling your checkbook. Oh, oh. And all of a sudden, Laura's like, oh, maybe I should be doing mm-hmm. the checkbook, right? But Joe, you are still responsible for the security of our home. Mm-hmm. Lock up. And I think that that speaks to that role of father and mother um, a little bit, just yeah. as as context for examples. So I like that you point out, Paul, that it doesn't have to be the biological father. And maybe this helps us. It That's the primary place God gave the family, but sure. that someone else can step in that role. What is it that that role is doing? What's a, what's some factors that are happening within that relationship that make the other person generate? Yeah. I mean, I think they're like, so in the story itself, we see that, Justin understands certain things need to be done first before Charles can learn. And so he's willing to to hold the line and willing to really force Charles to have to wrestle with what he doesn't want to do. He just wants to get a grade. And and Justin needs to get him to understand that it's that's not what we're here for. We're here for something more. So he just simply hands him a shovel and says, dig a hole. Oh, that part drove me crazy. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I was even and so, mad. <laughs> so the father knows what needs to be. Again, it's the whole adage about, you know, you can't help a, a butterfly come out of its cocoon. You have to let it struggle its way out. Otherwise it won't fly. Same thing. Like you can't dig the hole for him. You can't, you just, and he has to do it. Like, again, he walks away. So there's freedom. 
Like you, you either dig the hole or you don't dig the hole. There's no, we're not compromise. We're not going to, you know, we're, you're either digging or you're not. Uh, and so that ability, I, I use the analogy of breaking a horse, you know, so the father figure has to know that there's a wild spirit that needs to be broken uh, so that it can be molded again. Um, and that's hard. It's painful to watch, you know, it's hard. Um, to, it's, it's painful to do as a parent. Right. No, and so this that. is the thing. Like, so even the father figure has to know that this, he can put his emotions aside and he can know that what's best for this child is that I simply hand him the shovel and walk away. And it's non-negotiable. Mm. Um, write the paper. Well, I don't want to. I, write a paper. I, I don't want to. You, you don't have an option. But again, he didn't sit down and write it with, you know, all of those things. And then when he brought him the paper, he, he was like, this isn't even a good paper. Like, you just stole this paper. Like, again, challenging. Like, those kinds of things. Um, so... Right. And so the point here is not to get into the deep psychology of it all, but just the complementarity of the sexes, husband, father, man, woman, that within this nuclear family of raising young people, that there is a place for the father and that figure of a father, that man in the life, in this circumstance of a young boy to become a man. And I, I think that uh, there, we're often uh, mimic creatures. We mimic our environment. And it's not even directly told. We just follow what we we see, and just to know that you know having a, 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 a father present to a young boy is very important to the health, happiness, and wholeness of who that person becomes, and the speed at which they grow up. I mean, yeah, in so, some ways, part of my problem was, you know, I, I took a few years to grow up, you know, and it wasn't necessarily dad's fault. But was dad perfect? No. So maybe there are circumstances where you do have a dad and they're not perfect, but. Yeah. And then the reason that I asked the question and important to flesh it out is if I grew up in a house where my father didn't father. Okay. So it's not just the presence of a male, right. it's someone uh, who fathers, who yes. generates, who, so what is it that that person is doing so that if I'm a father, I can grow in my ability to do it. Say right. I got kids Account and I don't have right. a witness. What is it I'm doing? Right. Accountability. Well, I'm holding them accountable. I'm, I'm, right. I'm calling them to something more. And uh, I think when when one does this and has never done it before, um, and, and the other things that I've, one thing I found is sometimes the fruit is the thing that tells us we're on the right track. Right. And there's that scene where he comes in the house and he's just filled with joy and he runs up the stairs. Like when someone's being fathered, they can, you can see it. All right. Yeah. You can see the fruits of that. Outstanding. Well, it went quick. First half hour of uh, Rutten Radio here. You're joined by the Brothers Rutten. We will come back in the second half hour and have a continued conversation uh, with the Brothers Rutten. Support our sponsors and we'll see you just after this short break. And we're back with Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network, your local, regional, and let's be honest, global media network for all things awesome. You can catch us on Facebook. You can follow us on our own Rutten Radio page or Real Presence page. And if you have not downloaded our app onto your phone, please, we encourage you to do so. But for those that are out there listening on the old school radio, we're grateful that you've joined us. And the second half of Rutten Radio is where we dive deeper into other insights and themes 
kind of breaking off of the movie, but not directly related or tied to the movie. And for the second half hour here in June, we're going to discuss education. What does it look like? It's responsibilities to the person, the community, these other aspects. What does it mean to be a teacher? And with that, uh, we'll have Father John kick it off. But first, we have to do a scapular check. Scapular check. Scapular check. I even put mine on the outside of my shirt (laughs) just so that I could. There we go. Scapular check. So, uh, yeah, you got that cool scapular. I know. You make. I know. (laughs) Make me jealous. Tell me you don't want like that to be on the outside so people see it. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So vain. I know. We're so vain. And then I got my little cross that's with it too. Sometimes. So there's been a couple of times where I've. Worn it intentionally so that people could see it. We're so oh, bad, God, so bad. Religious. Imagine when we get religious to, when we get to. Uh, well, we won't get to heaven. We'll we'll die and go to purgatory, and the Lord's just gonna have to like purify the hell out of our our vanity. <laughs> so, with that, uh, shout outs. Who would you all like to give a shout-out to in the month of June on Rutten Radio? Father Paul! I think I'm going to give a shout-out to my godchildren. Oh, wow. Isaac Flynn, uh, living in the big town of Fargo. Uh, Teresa Merrick, wherever she's at these days. Uh, Still at U of Mary, um, but wherever she's at right now. Uh, And then Marie Macon, my little goddaughter. The Meekins? Macons, yeah, from Watertown. Oh, yeah, I got to be their their daughter's godfather. Nice. Yeah. So nice. Anyways, those are mine. Father John. Uh, I was. <laughs> He's working. I'm, I'm, uh, He's, he... I want to give a shout out to Lori Monk and Catherine Kendall because they are two people who commented on our episode our last episode mm-hmm. of Uncle Buck. So if you want to get a shout out, oh, go comment. to Facebook, make oh, a little comment. Uh, Lori just said how great it was and uh, enjoyed the show and the insights about the movie and Mother's Day. And then Catherine had a question. What's the, with the picture of Mr. Froke? Who is so, Catherine Kendall? Catherine Kendall would be our littlest sister. Oh. Katie. So, Katie Rutten. Catherine. Uh, so, and then the additional shout outs to Alex Rodriguez and Christopher Tibbetts. Um, you know they, Alex Rodriguez? <laughs> the woman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The baseball Not the baseball player. player. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah. They stopped by the parish, and both of them. Uh, one Christopher is just getting done as a focus missionary. Alex is in year seven, and then they just we had a great little fervorino, a little time of sharing the life of the spirit together. So shout out to those two. Uh, so this is funny. I'll give a shout out. Speaking of famous people, to my friend MC Hammer. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> Talk about like thinking you're cool, but you're not. Like when MC Hammer starts following you on Twitter. <laughs> oh, and so then we've been rapping back and forth on different things and whatever. The else. real and MC like, Hammer. I'm no. crazy. Yeah, the real MC Hammer. <laughs> like, is there a fake one? Yeah, MC Hammer. Is How do you a, know it's not somebody he's a, else? He's a just... philosopher. King. Oh, because you get a blue check mark. It's MC oh. Hammer. Trust me. Uh, he's also isn't he a pastor? Yeah, he's a pastor. Yeah. He's so ordained. he follows you. Yes. MC Hammer does. Yes, MC Hammer, baby. All right. Uh, so shout out. So shout out to MC Hammer. 
Uh, my new Again, purification of pride. Yeah, purification of, of vanity. 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 All right. you folks listening to us, please pray for us. I don't know if we'll make it to heaven. We're going to have a heck of a good time on earth. But Oh, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Uh, Rich McCorris is a great Christian pastor and, and, and leader in town. So, uh, And then Jamie Tates. I just uh, drove. Never pass up an opportunity to meet somebody. I, I saw this lady at a leadership conference, and I was like, she is good. And I just emailed her and said, "Did you ever have coffee?" And so I drove to Minneapolis for a two and a half hour meeting, and it was amazing. So shout out to Jamie Tates. Never pass up an opportunity to meet somebody. You just might find a new best friend. So she's pretty rock star. With that, let's jump in to education. Father John, I think you have a book in front of you over here. Tell I us. do have a book in front of me. Uh, and it comes from the striking reality that I had in watching this movie that my twin brother is an educator. Ooh. I kind of, I just had to start. I was like, why is he an educator? Why is he a teacher? Nothing in our lives growing up would have told me you were going to become a teacher. Nothing. Nothing. It's actually the opposite, right? Yeah, You'd be like, nothing. I don't think that kid should be in school for yeah, the rest of his life. As a matter of fact, well, I was just looking at her Facebook page. By the way, congratulations on your 25th anniversary of graduating from O'Gorman High School in well, Sioux thank Falls. You. Uh, that was yesterday. And when the, our friends are posting things and someone posted the list of our graduation thing and it had next to it, like, were you a National Honor Society? And were you a president? And so I'm looking at it. I go immediately to ours. It's like when you go to graduation parties and they have all those pictures around, doesn't everyone and go and look and see if you're in any of the pictures. Do you guys do that? That's what I do. Vanity, <laughs> I want to know. Vanity. Do they have? Do they have? Am I in any of these pictures? Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people don't. Maybe you guys just want to see pictures I mean, of them. Only but, those that I mean, are I want to see pictures of them. But I'm also like, I wonder if they think of me. I wonder if I'm a part of their life. I wonder, you know. Uh, and some I don't expect to. But you know, if it's so. Anyway, the point being, uh, I'm looking at this list and it says John. Leo Rutten. <laughs> and of course, I have National Honor Society mark and I have some presidential academic award mark or whatever. And then right below me is Joseph, Joseph Leo, Leo Rutten. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was then that I thought about this movie and I thought, how did he become a teacher? <laughs> Nothing in our growing up told me you would ever become a teacher. And it just now, at 43 years old, I'm like, I wonder why Joe's a teacher. Like, you've been one for a long time now, too. Almost two decades. And then that's when it occurred to me, wait a minute. The movies he chooses, like, they really, they really are. There is something about Joe. Mm-hmm. And these movies, and it just has been... So anyway, with that, I've had this book sitting on my counter for, an, for a little while now. It's called Education, Communicating One's Self. And it's from Father Julian Caron, who is the uh, international leader of Communion Liberation. And he is a, a scripture scholar in Spain uh, by profession. So he's a teacher too. And the thing that strikes me about it is his proposal is that uh, education is actually not the passing on of information, but the communication of oneself. It's like a thing you're ed- you're passing on yourself, your life, your history. Your so it contains a content, but it's really a relationship. And it reminds me of, in a sense, it's it's a version of parenting that's not the parent. 
You know, it's like, it, and the reason I say that is that I always think of the parents as the candle, you know, you burn yourself in order to give life and light yeah. to the world. And so to, to educate someone means you have to like spend yourself for the good of another. And what I'm passing on, I can only pass on what is passed through me. Mm. And so if I am trying to help the world not be afraid, but I'm afraid, well, I'm going to pass on the fear. If I am trying to help other people learn new things, but I actually am not a learner, I'm going to pass on that this is just a function to get somewhere. But but if I am a lifelong learner, I don't need to even really, like the way I'd live is going to pass it on to others. If I have the ability to live by faith in, the, in light of painful circumstances, I'm going to pass on to those people that I'm educating how to have faith. So the thing that I give to others is actually something that's me. And you can't get around that education passes through the person who is teaching. Amen. So. Father Paul, education. That's well. I'm still trying to process what John just said. So, and I didn't put it in our show notes. So I am sorry. And I want to ask forgiveness of Father Paul Rutten because he now That's is put thing. in a place where a ball and a tee was set up in front of him. Uh, and, and he didn't know that that tee or the ball would be sitting there. No. And he doesn't have a club in his hand. Mm-hmm. He but, didn't. He Now I'm being asked. I'm asking him to hit, to to take a, a, a hit. And then and, I, I do And he doesn't the, know right, if they should do, do a five and I, or a I'm the accomplice iron. and I turn and say, Father Paul. Yeah. What do you think? Let's make you feel really bad about not knowing what you're doing right now when it's not your fault. Oh, this is great. Versus actually <laughs> saying something yourself. Right. So the, you know, education, I, I, I have been in it for two decades and I've noticed that in my perspective, and it can be wrong, and it certainly is a perspective, not the perspective, it's my perspective, but that education in modernity, in the modern world, the education that we offer today, uh, I don't know that it's, it might be effective for what we want, but I'm not so sure that we understand what we're doing. I believe we have turned education into uh, a gathering of information, a dissemination of information to another individual. And then we ask them to apply that information to their life so that they can get a job. That really what education today is, is a tool of the economy and not necessarily a tool of humanity. And an example of this is the destruction of humanities programs all throughout higher education in the United States because they don't generate income. They're not in high demand. People don't want them. And they don't offer a lot of valuable jobs in the market. Why don't people want humanities degrees? And why does the market not have a place in which there is a value set for those degrees? There can be lots of reasons to this, but my point being, we send people to school to get to pass tests, to get grades, to get into college, to get a degree, to get a job. And that's what education is, in my perspective, according to the average person in American society today. And if I could just pull the BS flag and say, no, if that's what this thing is, we can do it a lot different. 
We can do it a lot cheaper and we don't need half of the crap that we're doing. As a matter of fact, why don't we just have the, the job market take and train them in a guild society like we used to do? Why do we have this whole apparatus set up? And so it is a, a, a fundamental part to part of the place I live is in this institution, which will not change, by the way. It's like, but yet at the heart of this whole thing, we know we have a broken humanity. We know Main Street is broken. We know business is broken. Our churches are broken. Our families are broken. Like, we're not healthy people right now. Why? Well, because we're not healthy individuals. And then we look at our education system and we stop and we say, are we actually training humans to be better humans? Form, you know, you talk about training a horse, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not so sure we understand what a human person is and how it is that we should train them to be f- human flourishing. Then it doesn't matter what they go do, do in the world for a job. If they're formed full, healthy, whole persons, then whatever they're going to go do, they're going to do it well. But we don't form the human person. We just input information into their brain and give them the skills they need to exercise a job in the economy. And then we wonder why business sucks and parishes aren't doing great and the world's kind of institutions are. I mean, I believe truly that we live in a similar time to Benedict in Western, the Western Empire at the fall, the collapse of, of Rome. And fundamentally at the heart of what Benedict did was he restored individuals, persons, and community. He reestablished community relationships. And in the community, the focus of Benedict was the formation of minds and hearts, the renewal of mind, and the transformation of heart. I don't believe broadly that's what we're doing in education today. And that's what I see in these movies. These movies that I love have nothing to do with passing tests. They have nothing to do with getting jobs. They have everything to do with the transformation of minds and hearts of young people. And that's my passion. That's my vision. And that's what I hope and believe is happening in the influence I get to have in this magnificent vocation and calling uh, of being a teacher. It can be an uphill battle, but all I can do is influence influence my sphere, my classroom. And I think I have the best job in the world, but I don't know, broadly speaking, that everybody shares my perspective on what education is. That guy over there, whoever he is, I think he might share my perspective. Or should I say, maybe I share his. (laughs) I should read a little bit. (laughs) I should read a little bit about his perspective because that inspires me. That empowers me. That makes me want to live better myself so that then I can better communicate to my students as a teacher how it is that they ought to live or, or propose that they might live if they want to be happy, healthy, whole, contribute to be a flourishing person to do. And if we can do that, then we give glory to God. That's my soapbox. Sorry. You got something there, John? Uh, A couple couple of, one question and then one. uh, So 
uh, this isn't a react. This isn't against what you're saying, but it's a curiosity for me to know, like, what's the path forward? Is it's interesting that all of these movies arose at the time in which our education system went the wrong way, uh, or continued down a path. Like the the one of the challenges that I see in did, it did is you connected just say to that? no was- the movies. So these movies came up at a time in which, like, we've just been going. Right. Uh, and lots of people love those movies and lots of people that one of the things is uh, being able to look at something for the reality that it is and then adhering to the thing that's actually at work as opposed to sentimentally using it, but then walking a different way. Mm-hmm. So the movies are sentimental too. And then we we implement what is different than the thing that actually helped us. And I see this at the parish life all the time, you know things help people in their faith, but then as a parish, we implement different things than what actually helped (laughs) because we aren't paying attention to the way in which something came to us and helped us. Um, And so the thing that's in here is in light of all those things, uh, I'm struck that, that the way forward actually um, might be simpler and smaller than what we would imagine in light of the magnitude of the problem that, Mm. The solution, Benedict wasn't trying to solve the problem that now we can see he solved. Benedict was following the ways in which things were helping him and the way in which the spirit was working in him at that time. And so the cities grew and all of these monasteries grew and all, all the manuscripts were saved. But he never intended to do that. He was just one day, one day, like yeah, things were yeah, happening. They, they wouldn't stop showing up at his door and finally he's like, fine. Yeah. You can live with me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then and they tried to kill him. And, and then they s- tried to kill him. Yeah, the monks did. And you see how helpful that is for us now. Otherwise, we we create this elaborate system thinking that's how he did it, but how he did it was just being faithful to what right. was happening. So this is what strikes me is in this book, Father Caron says, uh, but if only what's lacking, he's saying, okay, we should first focus our attention. What is lacking? What is the answer? There are questions we ask every, these are questions we ask every day of our lives. A few weeks ago, I met a person with a person who spoke to me about her frustration about how little she has changed. Quote, but even only one small thing in you has changed. That is the only thing that you need to look at. So even if only one small little thing, that's the only thing you need to look at. And then he goes on, he says, often we fixate on what is lacking without taking notice of what has already changed. And that attitude makes us more and more depressed about reality. <laughs> and so what, I, what I've realized is, even though, like, I think we do need to know the problem we're in front of, but what really I think is amazing is Mount Marty University, is you, Joe, like what has changed in you and how passionate you are about what it is that you're doing and is Jason Heron and is different people I see that are like alive in a way that I say, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know how we're going to solve the world, but that seems like really good. And I'm just going to pay attention to this. And I want to keep in contact with these people. An example of this is I stopped watching the news on January 13th of 2021. I no longer watch the 530 news. Right. Life, life is better. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. I would go into the kitchen. I, I here's what would happen. I come home, uh, five o'clock. I'd maybe catch a few things, play with the kids, hang out a little bit. But I love CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. It's, loved it. It's like my nostalgic vision of what adult life. You know, the professor's supposed to come home and watch the news. Or get <laughs> up, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, I would get into the first commercial, 
five minutes in, seven minutes, and then I would be so enraged with the news and I would immediately beeline it to the kitchen where Laura is, my wife, and I would begin complaining about the news. And after a while, like I could see what was going on. She knew and she just like, "Mm, something's going to change, right? And I realized I just got to stop watching the news because I'm sure that the last thing my wife needs other than her three boys coming in and running around and mommy mom is her husband coming in and being like, this damn world. (laughs) It's like, stop. And you know what? My life has never been better. I have been so much happier the last few months because I don't constantly have the 97% whatever. doesn't matter what percent. The news could have been 1% bad, and that's what I would have went and complained about. And so I just stopped watching it. And all of a sudden, it's like I don't constantly have the negative in front of me, and it doesn't poison my heart. And so I just see the positive, and that's my kids running around and my, you know. But you do have to be intentional. It is something that I had to choose. Mm-hmm. It's a perspective I had to see. Booker T. Washington, uh, first African-American to dine in the White House, uh, president of the Tuskegee Institute, has great work on character. And he says, we choose to be children of the light or children of the dark. And it's like I chose to be a child of the light by not watching the 530 CBS Mm -hmm. Evening News. It's that simple, but it just transformed the last three, four months. And I will never watch the news again. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, yeah. but Father the, Paul. I think, again, sometimes the challenge is to, to be able to say what grace was given for you to make the connections to see that that was the problem. Like, I think this is part of the challenge of our culture is no one really is stopping and asking for the grace to see what is the problem within me. It's always... outside of me that the problem and I'm not it, you know? Uh, And so I do think that there is that ability uh, to pray for the grace. Cause I am sure that Laura has been praying for a long time, (laughs) you know, dear Jesus, please help my husband. Because, because again, she can't make you see it. She could sit there all day long and tell you the problem is you're watching the news. No, it's not. Uh, Okay. Um, and I think this is this other challenge, you know, again, back even to the movie, the risk of, of stepping away and, and leaving somebody in their own thing to, to have to work through, uh, all of that. Um, yeah. Right. It reminds me of a, a teacher, Jamie Tates, who I mentioned in the intro talks about a Sherpa in leadership. She sees herself as a Sherpa. They're a guide. They, the person still has to walk. Right. It's not like you jump on the Sherpa's back you know, and they carry you up the mountain. It's like, no, they guide, they point, they, they, they know the way so that, so they provide, but you still have to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, well, brothers, this has been good. Wow. It goes so fast. We've just got a couple of minutes left. We, uh, we wrap up here, this full hour or movie of the month, uh, a man without a faith. A face, uh, <laughs> a man without faith, man without a faith, uh, face, uh, education teacher, the role of education in the second half hour. Father John, the book that you have is Education, Communicating One's Self by Father, Father Julian Crone. And the basic premise is that the person communicates their life and in so doing, 
uh, educates the other. Yeah, uh, the the back. I'll just read the back, and this will be those who educate are not those who make propaganda, but those who are committed to rousing something in young persons and setting freedom in motion. Amen. And that's what I think happened in that movie was that man was committed to rousing something in this young boy and he set freedom in motion. And that art, it was like an art. He was like a craftsman because he could have failed in his responsibility as an educator sure. multiple times. He could have given in, he could have given up, but yep. he was persevered. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot in there. And I think also to see that that Justin needed Charlie to to regain the confidence that he really was a good person uh, and he could then mm. move on mm. because he had another opportunity to mentor uh, in a risky situation and for it to turn out well. Yeah, I never thought about that. We never really talked about the impact of the young person on him, but that's true right. is the gift is that uh, when you when you communicate yourself this way, you also receive uh, um, from... So. It's a story. Education, in my perspective, is about a narrative and about entering into that narrative and empowering others to discover the narrative as well. And so we all have our story. Yeah. And for us, we propose that Jesus Christ is the heart of that story, his life, death, and resurrection. And we propose that he is the way, the truth, and the life. As we wrap up this hour of Rutten Radio here at Real Presence, we always like to close with the family prayer. Together. Our, Our Father, Father, we thank, thank you, you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. We'll see you right here next time at Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. Our movie of the month for next month is... Soul. Soul. S-O-U-L. We'll see you then. Peace and God bless.